I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. We're Did I do that last time? Is that we started talking about ASMR? Yes. I tried to explain that to my mother. Oh, it's a gnarly thing to try yeah. to explain. It, like, oh. I feel like in like she was like she decided to like make up her own acronym for it. It was like adorable. It was like audio sounds. Oh boy, make relax. Yeah, or something. I don't That's know. Like anyway, that. uh, cool, cool, cool. That's mom. Like a- I hope you're not listening to this because you will hate it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that my mom would like it either. Bless my mom. Every t- now and then, she tries to engage with some kind of content that I do, and it's always like a little too much for her. And I'm not saying technologically so, but she's like, well. I just feel like I um I know a lot more about you, and I don't care for the swearing. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's fine. yeah. I don't know. You know, my Fucking parents I. have always kind of taken the tack of like we're just going to ignore everything about you that doesn't fit into like our prescribed idea of like what you should do. Yeah, which is like most stuff. All right. Well, um, I think you're doing great. Oh, thank you. Me too. Yeah. It's just when I'm around them that I feel bad. So okay. Well, that's why I live great. in California. Yay! Yay! California knows, knows how, how to, to podcast. Oh, California knows, knows how, how to podcast. podcast. All right. So here we are back with episode two of Gal's Guide to Gilead. Thanks for your feedback about episode one. We had a lot of cool time discussing with the epigram. epigram? Yeah. Epigram. Yeah. Epigraph is on Epigraph? It. Epigram? Epitaph okay. is what you're thinking right, of. Right, right. Okay. Anyway. I think an epigraph and an epigram are the same. Same. Sure. Uh, uh, you know what? Maybe that'll give us something else to discuss on episode three of Gal's Guide to Gilead. <laughs> but they talked about um, the importance of the Sufi proverb, mm-hmm. when you're in the desert, there's not a sign that says thou shalt not eat stones. We got a lot of good feedback about it. If I was a smarter podcaster, I would have aggregated that feedback. Yeah, because I was just like, oh, yeah, like everybody. And I found those things about it. And uh, one would never, I never thought about it again. <laughs> one would question why I brought it up if I don't have the feedback on it. But I think it is the conclusion that we got from most scholarly sources was kind of like what I said initially. Yeah, like, it was. You start to stop realizing the obvious after a while. Yeah. And what's insidious about Gilead is if they feed people the premise women are inferior, women are inferior, women are inferior, they stop having to say it because they breed mm-hmm. women who believe it. Yeah. Kind True. Sounds like stuff that's going on. Um, in the meantime, could I interest you in some snack stones? Would you like to <laughs> yes. eat these stones? We're not in the desert, but you know, when in, when in Gilead, Perfect. eat the stones. What other housekeeping do we have? Uh, I think we have some Venmo shout outs. Oh, yes. Do we not? Absolutely. You can find us on Venmo.com slash Red All Over. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Those of you who have donated, I really appreciate it. So shout out uh, today to CC Deno. Den, yes, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> CC, work it. How's your week, girl? Are you feeling good about yourself? I think you should. Hey, that thing you're worried about? Not going to be a big deal. Go for it. You've got it. Uh, thank you for that, CC. And then the next uh, donation is from Samantha Wagner. Samantha, can I call you Samantha? Listen, you worked really, really hard this week. You did a really good job. And I, for one, am proud of you. So why don't you treat yourself? I don't know if that's a coffee. I don't know if that's ice cream. I don't know if that's a you watch a YouTube channel show where you watch some girl eat a bunch of shit. 
which I do. Not literal shit, like, but just like. Yeah, uh, that's that's a red tube. That's thing. a different one, but yeah. just whatever it is, give yourself a present today, Samantha Wagner. I think you deserve it. So those are yeah. just a few of our great redheads. The rest can be found on Facebook.com slash Red All Over Podcast. Red All Over. I don't know. What are you talking about? Some shit. Just wondering where our fans hang out in case you're new to this podcast. Oh, on Facebook.com slash Red All Over? Yep. Yeah, that's where. Okay. Cool. All right. Great. Number one, I think it needs to be said, we ate a lot of macaroni and cheese. Like, big ups to Homeroom in Oakland. Like, you're amazing, but also I'm dying. Our unofficial sponsor, Homeroom in Oakland, I feel like Jabba the Hutt right now. I am so sweaty. I'm so full of cheese. I want to be, like, totally honest. Oh, my God. You know he eats nothing but cheese. Oh, yeah. There's a woman, like, chained to my leg right now. (laughs) I don't even have a leg. Um, I bought, when I first moved to California, I bought at the Alameda Antiques Fair or Mm -hmm. mall or Mm -hmm. whatever they call it. They do once a month. Anyway, Mm -hmm. but I found this, like, old Jabba the Hutt figurine, and I keep it on my desk to remind me what my goal is. I love it. Uh, It's to be a smuggling warlord person on a desert planet um mm. who's very chubby well umaji muna that is i love you and hatiz let's get on to it thank you so much you're welcome so this episode of gal's guide to gilead wait 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 wait, wait. one more housekeeping <laughs> Lindsay, motherfucking oh, Lindsay marie lohan what are what what are you doing i feel like we were on the edge of a lohan essence <laughs> <laughs> that began i have no doubt with our episode about parent trap absolutely and writing, we are we are tastemakers riding the crest of that wave was her i'm in mykonos bitch dance move which was great then she really peaked with the feel better john mccain which nobody minded because it was so hilarious and we were all set to enjoy Lindsay lohan again and then pew she uh she almost Shh. kidnapped a refugee child on instagram live and uh, is, for all intents and purposes, has lost her marbles. So I can't even be excited about her accomplishments. I can't go okay, to Mykonos. Okay, look, we all thought she was out of marbles to lose. But in a We thought she way. had gone, like, full toodles in hook. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, But instead, she went, I don't know. You know what? She tried to steal someone else's marbles, <gasps> is what she tried Girl, to do. she a Captain Hooked? <gasps> oh, my God. Wow, you either die a toodles or you live long enough to become a hook. <laughs> Do you think the mom of those kids was like, the children were screaming? That part hurts my body. Listen, I'm really sorry. Also, her real middle name is D. D D-E-E. Yeah. I don't know. That's not a a name by itself. Anyway, we are very sad that our once queen, Lindsay Lohan, has fallen, and we can't get excited about her anymore. What do you mean? Like, look, I don't think we were under any illusions. I just about thought, her conduct. I just thought she was going to be the fun, eccentric aunt that I could visit in Mykonos, and instead she out there snatching kids, and I'm not into yeah, it. Yeah, like my aunt. Oh, no. The kid snatcher. <laughs> oh, Barbara kid snatcher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I aunt. love the Poisonwood Bible. Oh, my God. I was just in Kentucky, and I was kind of like, oh, I kind of see what you're talking about, Barbara King Solver. But then, like, every time I was like, yeah, I'm having a good time in Kentucky, a Kentucky hag would just, like, wander through my field of vision. A Kentucky hag is a thing I just made up while I was in Kentucky because I was renting my car. I had been in Kentucky for, like, 10 minutes. I was renting a car. I'm up there. I'm complimenting the woman's manicure. I'm like, this is fine. This is good. You're a you're a state, Kentucky. And then this woman with just, like, wispy hair. She looked like a cartoon witch. 
she like came up and she like her hair was like so wispy but also long Ooh, it was like yeah, yeah. no this is not a good look and just teeth were all jacked up oh, yeah. and missing mm-hmm. and her face she'd clearly been smoking yeah. packs a day for yeah. a long time possibly opioid i don't know i don't want to cast a spurt anyway a lot. horrifying looking woman <laughs> comes and just every time like i went and visited my friends in louisville we're having a great time kentucky hag wow. i'm at this wedding having a good time kentucky hag wow. it's just you know they're everywhere yeah so keep your girlfriend safe from that i guess <laughs> is we how get we a lot of in. angry letters from kentucky. my mom is a kentucky hag okay. <laughs> i did not appreciate it kentucky hags are a proud sisterhood hashtag not all kentucky hags hashtag we reject your beauty standards <laughs> all right our wispy hair is fine and it is uh so let's get into this is sort of the second gilead episode and what we're going to be talking about oh the last one was based on handmaids and this one is sort of a deep dive into gilead as a society so here we go. We tried to aggregate all the questions that you left for us on Facebook, and we're just going to dive right in with our book citations of blaring and uh, get ready to go. Thoroughly. Yeah. All right. So all right. number one, what caused infertility? This is from The Handmaid's Tale, page 377 to 380. This is the trade paperback, mm-hmm. uh, which is the copy that Molly has. I have the mass market paperback. For those of you keeping score. Yeah. The reasons for this decline are not altogether clear to us. Some of the failure to reproduce can undoubtedly be traced to the widespread availability of birth control of various kinds, including abortion in the immediate pre-Gilead period. Some infertility, then, was willed, which may account for the differing statistics among Caucasian and non-Caucasians, but the rest was not. Need I remind you that... Need I remind you that this was the age of the R-strain syphilis and also of the infamous AIDS epidemic, which, once they spread to the population at large, eliminated many young sexually active people from the reproductive pool. Stillbirths, miscarriages, and genetic deformities were widespread and on the increase, and this trend has been linked to the various nuclear plant attacks. Accidents. Sorry. There was another weird thing in there. Um, and this trend has been linked to the various nuclear plant accidents, shutdown, and incidents of sabotage that characterize the period, as well as to leakages from chemical and biological warfare stockpiles and toxic waste disposal sites, of which there were many thousands, were simply dumped into the sewage system. And to the uncontrolled use of chemical insecticides, herbicides, and other sprays. Okay, so this is from... The, the historical notes mm-hmm. on A Handmaid's Tale, uh, Professor Piotto. Mm-hmm. One thing that I thought was interesting is that in this excerpt, the professor lumps abortion in with birth control. Yeah. Which I thought was very telling and something that I didn't necessarily catch when we read the book. And yeah. I don't know, like, I don't know <clears throat> if... Because it is sort of a... Um, it's a tactic of the anti-choice movement to lump uh, birth control in with abortion. Oh, interesting. But I think it's interesting here that they're sort of lumping in abortion with birth control. Because, I mean, fundamentally, on a semantic level, yes, they're very similar. Yeah. Um, but, like, when we talk in, like, our society, when you hear people kind of, like, going, like, blah, 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 you can't use abortion as birth control. I mean, abortion is birth control. Yeah. Like, calm down. I mean, they're they're not gonna. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Um, Anyway, but I thought that was an interesting little 
twist in there. I don't know if it was intended, but right. Maggie Atz is a fan of the wordplay. She's like a veritable Mr. A to Z. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, the one thing that I highlighted just now that I want to hear what you make of it is the second sentence where it says, some infertility then was willed, which may account for the differing statistics among Caucasians and non-Caucasians. So we know that Book Gilead, at least, makes an effort to mm, separate the races. So yeah. is that what they're alluding to there? Because to me, this is a passage describing pre-Gilead Gilead. So I'm confused about what this sentence is saying. I am also confused. I do not think that it is clear. I mean, I don't know if it's about access to birth control, but I also can't see why. I don't see whether he's saying the infertility was greater or worse. I know. Amongst either party. I don't understand that either. And it certainly seems to me just conjecturing if they noticed that, let's say, you know, the black population was having an okay time with fertility and white people weren't. Mm-hmm. To me, knowing how Gilead works in the show and the books, it seems like they would be like, oh, no, let's actually keep those people here, figure out what they're doing. And then, yeah. The only other thing I can think of is like, and I don't even, I don't really find that this is supported in the text. Mm-hmm. This is just conjecture based on like reality, but it's like, okay, Caucasian people in America are more likely to have the resources right. to consistently have access to birth control and abortion. Right. So, so did that exacerbate the decline in birth rate? Yeah. If it did exacerbate the decline in birth rate, that leads me to this sort of just like weird panic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like potentially anger at non-white people. Although I feel like, well, I I don't know in the book, like, who exactly is included in the, you know, the children of Ham. Yeah. Like, is it only African-Americans or is it anybody who's not white? That would be interesting to know, too. And something I noticed this rereading of it is I think, and I wonder what Maggie Atz would say to this, and I wonder if this is not an okay thing to say, but I think that Maggie Atz writes Rita's dialogue to sound like it's being spoken by a person of color. Mm-hmm. It's either, and I, I'm sorry, I know this is not a cool way to group this, but like she writes in such a way that it either sounds to me like very like Southern Ebonics E or like a very the, um, like hillbilly person. The PC kind of. term is African American vernacular English. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. I, I wonder if there's a reading of The Handmaid's Tale that they only took some brown people i don't know this is a but i also i also find that frequently when people who are not from the south write Mm -hmm. southern people like there's not a big difference between just southern manner of speech Uh, and aave now the other question is why would that person be in boston i know it's very weird so uh, anyway uh readers let me know a what you think about this line in the epilogue and be how you read Rita's voice because it is written in a way that is different from how Alfred speaks, how anybody else in the book speaks. And I want to know what it you think may about also it. just be a lower class thing. She might be going for like a working class Boston accent. Uh, um, mm, I mean, I haven't reread mm. it recently, so I couldn't tell you, but yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Or maybe genuinely 
this might even bore maybe I'm hearing it in like Amanda Bruegel's voice, which I know is not Southern, but mm-hmm. like she has an affected way of of making her voice. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Neither here nor there. Uh, so I think I was going to say one more weird thing while we were talking please. about the relocation. Um, I'm just curious because we know that there are in the book, we know that there are Japanese tourists yeah. who come to Gilead. Oh, yeah. I just wonder about like Asian Americans. That's but at the point. same time, Japan has historically been a very insular nation and pretty opposed to like interracial everything. I think they're very into Japanese identity. And um, that's why it's such a huge deal that Naomi Osaka, who just won the U.S. Open, there was a whole lot going. Ah, anyway, don't even get me started on what happened at the U.S. Open with Serena and Naomi Osaka. But anyway, I love her. She's so great. Serena's peace. Serena was paced. <laughs> now you're just making me like compare and contrast the don't. narrative of anger around Serena Williams and around Brett Kavanaugh. And I don't want to be. Don't, don't, don't. I don't want to be thinking. We were on. Any of these things. Okay. Anyway. um, So Naomi Osaka is um, mixed race. Mm-hmm. And although she's lived in America for most of her life, she plays tennis for Japan. Oh, interesting. And she's a huge presence. I mean, and she's <clears throat> really kind of part of this new generational push of being like, hey, Japan. Um, I don't like I don't want to go so far to s- I feel like they do talk about racial purity. But like there's like now like this push where it's like, hey, Guess what's cool? Not being an asshole. Because, like, her mother's family basically have not been involved in her life or her mother's life since yeah. her mother married a black man. Wow. So it's interesting. Pretty crazy. Anyway, um, um, curious about that because they yeah. do obviously have tourism from outside the US and just sort of like, how do they feel about the way that they treat non-white people? I wonder. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to know. And it's interesting, too, when you consider that this book was written in 1985. The AIDS crisis is still a roiling. It's raging. Apartheid so, is a thing. It's so interesting that she cites AIDS as something that really decimated a generation. Because you could already... Ob- the writing is on the mm-hmm. wall with that when she was writing this. And it's really strange. I watched How to Survive a Plague not that long ago, which is all about act up and and oh, neat. figuring out how to fight AIDS. If you want to cry a bunch, you should watch it. Okay. Um, but like the AIDS crisis was so huge and I was cognizant mm-hmm. for a lot of it, but had no fucking clue. Like, I don't know, you know, living in Ohio, like I, I lived like in the city, but just like I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And just it was such a huge deal. Anyway, I don't know. I just I trip out on that. Like yeah. I talk about it a lot with Amy, uh, just because like we're roughly the same age ish and we're both just like, yeah, we like just didn't know. I mean, yeah. you know, we were children. That's true. Yeah. But still, it's like you would think that like when this thing is destroying people, yeah. you would you would know a little more about it than just Ryan White. Yeah. Um, Well, it really did a number on, you know, leading up to Gilead. And so there is something else worth mentioning here from page 309. 
it is speculated that Mr. Waterford's particular infertility was caused by a sterility-causing virus that was developed by a secret pre-Gilead gene-splicing experiment with mumps. Yeah. Again, I don't on, know what that means. This is on page 309. <laughs> is that part of the historical notes as well? Uh-huh. It's when they're um, speculating whether Offred belonged to Frederick Judd or Frederick Waterford. And so if we're going with like the the film version where she's with the Waterfords, they're saying that Mr. Waterford's they're saying explicitly that Mr. Waterford is the infertile one mm-hmm. and that it was because of this the sentence is weirder so it says that thing about the pre-gilead gene splicing experience with mumps comma and which was intended for insertion into the supply of caviar used by top officials in moscow <laughs> the experiment was ab- <laughs> the experiment was abandoned after the spheres of influence accord because the virus was considered too uncontrollable and thereby too dangerous by many although some wished to sprinkle it over india so this is fucked up <laughs> this is Get like it? Yes, I do get it. It is basically the gay bomb from 30 Rock. Exactly. Also, I don't know, with the citation on the previous thing... Uh, It's off. Yeah, it has to be from a different edition of the book. I think I pulled that from... No, I think I did. I pulled it from the internet. Well, anyway... uh, I know it exists in the book, It's on page Waka Waka. It's in the the early 300s, I believe, if you're in the trade paperback. Um, So anyway, what caused infertility? Uh, Whatever emoji. Uh, Well toxic waste dumping uh syphilis aids and potential the birth control to me seems the most throwaway yeah but it's also like things this is all in the same way like aids itself is not a disease Right. It is a syndrome, which is a collection of symptoms. Right. This is a collection of symptoms. Right. Correlation does not equal causation. Well, and it's messed up too that forgetting that nuance the aunts could say things like because you were sluts Mm -hmm. you caused infertility when it's really like i mean especially if we look at mr waterford like that is men meddling in terrorism Mm -hmm. eco-terrorism and becoming infertile i bet a sexy lady was involved okay like if i remember my james bond i'm pretty sure a sexy lady was involved listen union says you gotta have one sexy lady eco-terrorist on your team (laughs) and she gets a longer break it's not my rules it's the unions she's gotta have a hilarious name yeah, it's got to be like Das Vagina or something. <laughs> das Any. Vagina. Come on. That was, that was easy. All right. So it, it's interesting that we place all the blame on the on infertility in Gilead on the women when actually it could have been the men as well. Um, okay. So my question is, what up with in vitro? What up indeed? So this is some a question we get a lot. And again, this is from the historical notes. In the early 300s, um, in there is a version of this book where it's on page 377 to 380. But uh, here it goes. Do you have it? Nope. Maybe you want a prize. Oh, I meant them listening. Oh, <laughs> uh, not from us. We're done with that for a sec. The historical note says, The need for what I may call birth services was already recognized in pre-Gilead period, where it was being inadequately met by artificial insemination, Fertility clinic, clinics and the use of surrogate mothers. There are quotes, quotes. around this. Molly's doing air quotes, which you cannot see. Uh, who were hired for the purpose. Gilead outlawed the first two as irreligious, but legitimized and enforced the third, which was considered to have biblical precedence. 
They thus replace the serial polygamy common in pre-Gilead period with the older form of simultaneous polygamy practiced both in the early Old Testament times and the former state of Utah in the 19th century. And sometimes today. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like people have been saying all along is the reason that they don't do artificial insemination or in vitro. Same tomato, tomato. Anyway, is because it's not religiously sound yeah and i mean i i would again this is sort of extrapolating but the um the reason for that would be that you were you know subverting god's will somehow and again anytime anybody starts kind of like talking about like god's will i'm like you're being real selective yeah with a lot of things like anytime anybody says any medical procedure is against god's will i'm like oh well have fun living in a fucking tree like yeah. Most of everything that humanity does is against God's will. Yep. Um, anyway, don't get me started. I will go on an <laughs> insane nihilist rant about how we're all doomed. Well, this next uh, one is is hefty, so we might have to break this into chunks. <laughs> don't put that on air. What? I was hefting a thing. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. So what is the timeline of events? Uh, okay. It's not super clear. And I believe this is very much by design. Mm -hmm. Um, the way that they have on the show for sure, like parceled out information to us, Mm -hmm. it's intended to keep things kind of murky. I mean, I think a, to kind of throw all of us off of balance Mm -hmm. and then B, it allows the creative team a little bit more leeway in terms of like, if they want to go back Mm -hmm. and flesh out, completely unnecessary romantic subplots for example (laughs) they have the freedom to do so so in season one episode nine the bridge rita mentioned that she did have a son who died in the war unclear when exactly the war was Mm -hmm. um we did glean from reddit this is neat this this bears parsing out yeah okay cool um, the day that Congress was bombed was September 14th, 2014. And I'll post this link here, but it's really neat. What somebody did was they zoomed in on a newspaper that's mm-hmm. in the uh, Boston Globe office. And have you had a chance to look at this? No. Okay. I'll tell you the facts or I'll tell you the... the yeah. Tell me the facts and then I'll look at I'll it. I'll tell you the cliff notes. So it's um the front page of the Boston Globe and it says, in the aftermath of America's bloodiest day... National crisis as government struggles to recover. So you have to really zoom in to read. But here's something I found interesting. So they have kind of two things that you can partially read. Did they say it was America's bloodiest day? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, that's like, like, yeah, because like, that's incredible. Well, get this. So here in the first paragraph on the left hand side, it says something like, let's see. The most devastating terror attack in American history, which wiped out the White House, Congress, and the Supreme Court. So those are huge targets just geographically. Um, The president is dead is something that you can glean. It's deliberately cut off, so I can't read a bunch. But here's something interesting. So the pull quote is... It's unclear who is leading the country in the wake of this attack, which has decimated most of Capitol Hill. Then you go over to this side article, and it says this. 
It says, let me find it. Leaders of the prominent religious group, Sons of Jacob, have called for empathy and unity in this troubled time. (gasps) Sons of Jacob chapters throughout the nation have raised millions of dollars for the families of victims involved in the tragedy. It, uh, yeah, and that's it. So. What? What? nuts? What? Oh my God. That's an Easter egg I uncovered looking at this Reddit thing. Oh my God. Isn't that neat? So. We know the sons of Jacob orchestrated this attack. Yes. So the way that, according to show logic, the way that they sort of seize control is there's this power vacuum. They don't take credit for it, but instead they creep in when everybody is weakened and offer help. Mm -hmm. And that is much scarier to me than if they're like, yo, what up? We're the sons of Jacob. Let's fucking do this. That's so scary. You know what else that's like? It's like at the end of, uh, spoilers for the end of Mockingjay, you know, when, you know, again, shrug emoji who did this but like when they have the bomb that goes off and then detonates a second bomb to take out the relief workers like yeah i have never screamed and cried on public transit before i listened to mocking jay on book on tape oh honey it was too much for me (laughs) it's so good but it's my extraordinarily complicated feelings about the hunger games in general is like an entire like serial style podcast so (laughs) we will put a pin in this so that's something so i think that oh did you want to keep going with with this or can i pop in no you go yeah okay uh so i think this is what is mentioned on page 307 of the trade paperback which they call the president's day massacre so i think that's what the book is calling the bombing of congress in okay the show. that makes sense so that sounds right so i would although yeah i mean it would be a different date i mean if it's the president's day massacre that would be in february oh okay so i mean yeah, they're I'm not, being fast and loose with yeah, yeah yeah what it is but an analogous event is that oh uh, on page 43 to go off of your rita comment they mention that priests gave up wearing their robes years ago when the sect wars first began and they mention the sect wars again. Oh, they mention a sectarian roundup on page 247. So what may have happened? I drew in my book a timeline of events that I think is likely. I like that this makes you seem like a Zodiac style conspiracy theorist. <laughs> so please continue. I know you love the Zodiac. Listen, baby. it was available on the plane on the way back from Kentucky. And I almost didn't watch phantom thread to watch that okay between you and me do you like phantom thread bitch i have no idea it's so boring i have no idea but i love pt anderson it's very beautiful there were parts of it that i was into but mostly i just like yeah i think i hate daniel day lewis yeah 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 like as a person yeah yeah strong agree anyway 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 anyway, so you know who was amazing in it though was Leslie Manville of Harlot. Like, if that whole movie had been about her. Oh, I know. Because I was like, you know she's getting that pussy eight. Oh, my I don't know God. by who, but, like, oh. she is getting it eight. She is, like, lowering her pussy onto someone's face and re- saying, like, for the hungry boy. She's, like, running, like, <laughs> cunnilingus trains on people. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, you know who's not running cunnilingus trains? <laughs> Gilead. The Sons so, of Jacob? It, probably not. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> or, I mean, the Sons of Jacob are the people who go down on a woman once and are like, 
like, I'm so good at giving head. Like, I just, I can't come unless you come. Uh, I hate anyway. them so much. Anyway. So I can't date now. <laughs> they all do this. Anyway. So based on all of this, I drew out a timeline. So what I think happens at the leftmost pole, fertility starts to decline and people start getting nervous. Then the attack on Congress, the President's Day massacre happens as sons of Jacob thinking they need to thwart this. Then as part of their regime comes the sect wars and the sectarian roundups. And once you have all of those people out of the way, you really can get cooking in Gilead. I agree. I think the sect wars sound extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if we consider that on the show, the Sons of Gilead did not claim responsibility for this bombing initially mm-hmm. and therefore did not try to seize power initially. Mm-hmm. So in that way, they're basically just drawing out any other possible competitors. Yeah. And That's then a great way to put they that. obviously have the firepower to put that down very quickly. Um, yeah. And then, you know, however their agenda starts to present itself, you're going to get resistance from, you know, more traditional religious denominations denouncing you. And of course, then you just kill them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would really love to see some flashbacks oh, to. Yeah quote unquote the war yeah oh i would love some rita backstory yes what i would love genuinely i'm upset that we didn't get that i'm upset we didn't get rita backstory i'm upset that we didn't get aunt lydia backstory Mm -hmm. i feel pretty solid on emily backstory i'm good like i don't need any more i don't need uh i don't really want jenny's backstory nor do i because i think jean's post gilead life is so much more interesting well and like to me, I know everything I need to know about Janine when she has that breakdown and she is acting like she's serving people coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. But, you know, they love to give us superfluous flashbacks of characters that we didn't ask for. So yeah. I bet they'll do it for Janine. Yeah. Um, uh, just in case you're interested, I don't know if there's a ton that we need to bring out about this, but on 306 of the trade paperback, about midway down the page, there's kind of a big info dump about what the Sons of Jacob are, who they who they are, whatever. Um, so that's kind of interesting. I think the big takeaway from there is like, obviously like they are the people who make the philosophy, the philosophy of Gilead and, um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, would you say that they are the music makers? That they are the dreamers of the dreams? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Then I flip backwards. Uh, (laughs) um, strike that, reverse it. (laughs) Put my thing down, flip it in reverse. <laughs> oh my god. So how does the primary period in Gilead end? There's a couple different periods in Gileadian mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. And we know from the historical notes mm-hmm. that there's a big purge shortly after the events of the book where Gilead becomes far stricter. So again, I'm super curious how the show is going to handle this because it feels like the way that they ended season two with Offred kind of going into like superhero action Offred mode. Yeah. And just sort of like the tone of a lot of like the promotional and marketing materials and stuff is like somehow like resistance is going to work. Yeah. But the overwhelming evidence from the book is that no, the resistance did not work. It took a really long time for yeah. Gilead to be overthrown. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because uh, Offred is in like, the first generation of 
Gilead and her escape doesn't spell the end of it. All that her escape really does is spell the end of the Waterfords because they yeah. makes real explicit mention that the Waterfords are killed. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and, part of the reason yeah. that the, and they were killed as part of this purge and part of the reason there was this purge is because there was a series of incidents involving handmaids having inappropriate relationships with commanders because nobody kind of nobody said that they couldn't and it was like really permissible would you say that there was no sign in the desert that said thou shalt not have an inappropriate relation with your handmaid exactly wow interesting winky face kissy emoji yeah so they made gilead strict again in the middle (laughs) gilead period that's what we know (laughs) (laughs) that like Okay, again, and again, I want to be perfectly fucking clear here. Hashtag three seasons and no more for the love yes. of God. If they make the very <laughs> foolish choice to continue beyond that, that is what I would want to see. Like, I would want them to go full, like, David Simon on the wire season two, where all of a sudden you're like, what, am I supposed to just give a shit about these Steve doors? Which yeah. actually is one of my favorite seasons of that show. It's probably my second favorite season. Nice. I think you're right. That's a good way to turn is like, it's like all of a sudden all of these people and it's like one once assuming that June escapes. And again, I think we kind of can because Mm -hmm. the source material, the source material indicates that she gets out to somewhere at some point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We don't know, you know, how successful that is or whatever. Right. But, you know, that's not compelling. I mean, I think we see that with the Little America <laughs> stuff now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Where you're just like, okay, so Moira just sits around looking through some files, being sad all the time, <laughs> and, you know, blessed be the Fruit Loops. Like, that was... Yeah. I, okay, I did love when they all sang. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. But it's just like, I don't know where your narrative momentum comes from. Exactly. With her having escaped versus doing like oh my god she escapes and then there's like this reset yeah like it's just like a total factory reset Oof. on gilead Yikes. you know you lose all your files <laughs> and but then at the same time so much of what makes the show work is elizabeth moss yeah i don't know so if again you're going to make the very foolish decision <laughs> to do more than three seasons uh, you know, you've got to kind of keep all these balls in the air. And I just don't see that it's sustainable. Yeah. I mean, and I keep talking about this to everybody who will listen to me. Three seasons and no more. Well, But also, I still really feel strongly they could have just done the first season. Yeah. Like, I agree. there are things that I really enjoyed about the second season, but none of it felt necessary to me. I agree. I agree. Okay. So the next question is... <laughs> Um, I love your answer to this one, by the way. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Just, it just made me laugh. I don't think you intended it to be funny, but. So this is a uh, me question is who's actually having a good time in Gilead? Because it seems like everybody's miserable and I don't know who this situation is better for. And the answer I wrote is the environment. <laughs> <laughs> so this comes from a article, an interview with Bruce Miller in the Radio Times published. Um, I can't see when it was published, but uh, it was August 31st, Thank 2018. You. Thank you. And it's called 21 Behind the Scenes Facts About the Handmaid's Tale. It mostly has stuff that we've covered on this show, but they did have some interesting insight, including this Bruce Miller quote where he says, 
The philosophy of Gilead is all about traditional values, and the people of Gilead believe the precipitous drop in fertility rates, which led to the forcible use of handmaids to breed future generations, was caused by environmental factors. So, as far as possible, everything on set is made of natural materials, or made to look natural at least. There are no microwaves or iPads in Gilead, and all the cars are electric. So, kind of interesting to know. And, and they talk about that, Serena Joy talks about that in, I believe, the soft power episode when she mm-hmm. talks about the reduction in carbon emissions. Was it that one or was it the one with the uh, uh, the Mexican delegation? It is that one. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So there is um, the environment. I mean, barring the huge parts of the country that are overcome by toxic waste. <gasps> yeah, but they're working on it. Is better. So that's kind of the only people having a good time in Gilead, I would guess. So I would say Al Gore. The <laughs> he is dead. Of Tipper. <laughs> they for sure killed Al Gore. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one thing that Feel irks better. me is anytime like a show creator says something that's not necessarily supported by the text, I get kind of annoyed. Yeah. Like when you're saying there's no microwaves or iPads in Gilead and all the cars are electric. I'm like, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, I've never seen a microwave or an iPad on yeah. the show, but we know that Commander Waterford has a laptop at least. Yeah. Um. But like all the cars are electric. Go fuck yourself. Uh, I mean, he I believe you. Buys the cars I know, for the show, but it's just like there's no way that we would know that just from watching the show. So how is that relevant? Okay. Yes, I hear you, but I I think that it is relevant because he's the showrunner, so he makes all these decisions. So he's talking about if the show is as I have intended it to be, it is that way. Okay. It just feels a little like Dumbledore is gay to me. I think you don't like Bruce Miller. And so whenever he says stuff, you're mad at it. Yeah. Even if it's, he could say tomorrow, Bruce Miller could come on and be like, Hey, uh, I, uh, I think Scorpios are the superior sign. You'd be like, shut your lying mouth, Bruce Miller. You fucking man. Yeah. You clearly like Aquarians. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I, I will agree to you with you that some of the things that he says are very dumbledoring but this does not strike me okay that's fine i'll tell you what wouldn't make me mad if bruce miller came out tomorrow and said i bruce miller am turning over the handmaid's tale to my protege who is a young queer woman of color yeah i hear bruce you. miller out I that hear you. i you know what and i'm publicly stating this here and now if he said that i will not complain okay uh, He's not going to do that. Do you want to cover this next question? <laughs> sure. <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> oh, shit. Hang on. I'm not done talking about the f- the f- question number four. The problem with Gilead is that it's diminishing returns. Like, this was great for Nick initially. He was out of work. Uh, mm-hmm. He could get work finally with the Sons of Jacob. And then as Gilead, you know, became a mm-hmm. thing, that was better for him. Isaac was having a great time. Yeah. Before he fell in love with Eden. Oh, Eden. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. Do you want to know the secret ingredient? It's rosemary. Fucking A. (laughs) My mom taught me about it. Oh, my God. Stop talking about your mom. Just go to Old Navy. Back on the farm. (laughs) (laughs) Am I old school? Um, Yeah, Um, you're right. That's a good point. And I mean, and even like... God, I was going to say that Naomi Putnam was kind of having a good time, but like not really. Um, not really but i mean look i mean there are people who are having a good time in the sense that a lot of like 
wealthy conservative people are having a good time right now i think like they're not necessarily like personally fulfilled but they're Mm. in a socioeconomically advantageous position that makes sense and they are so afraid of losing it that Mm. they will do anything possible to kind of keep the system that's benefiting them propped up that's a very good point is like even if they're not having a great time they are benefiting more now than they were well and i don't know if you've heard but life is pain highness <laughs> anyone who sells otherwise is selling something i mean you know and that's the thing is like the sum of life is not to have a pleasurable good time particularly i'm sorry to shock you particularly if you are part of a very conservative biblically sourced religious mm-hmm. group of fanatics mm-hmm. like People who are hardcore evangelical Christians believe this life is to be about suffering and the reward comes in the next life. So even though these people are miserable and they cannot overcome their base human urges, Mm -hmm. they still think that they're doing a good thing. Wow. I think that's very well said and not something I would have thought of to say. It's, uh, you know, it pays to be from Ohio sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Not literally, of course. All right. You want to take uh, question number five? Number five. (laughs) Do husbands and wives do the frick frack? Yes, they do. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes they have kids, question mark, page 117. That's all it says. Okay. On page 117. I mostly just want to put do the frick frack. Yeah, clearly. Because one time... (laughs) (laughs) there was something i should know better than to participate in the hulu based handmaids discussion group on facebook but i just uh, oh my god this group is about the show it shouldn't be about politics exactly i'm just like pushing on my own scabs Um, in that group oh my god why do you keep talking about politics so annoying but one of the posts that i did participate in and that was proud of my contribution is somebody has wait what something like what do it was a very basic question it was like wait how did how did people know they were infertile or something and my answer was they did the frick frack and nothing happened (laughs) and no one gave that comment the do that it deserved. I am genuinely sorry that I did not see this because I would have at least given it a thumbs up. Anyway, it's guys, not a laughing face emoji. Start calling sex the frick frack. It'll it makes your life so much better. Because let's face it, we're pretty frick fracked these days. We need to lighten things up. Oh fuck, uh, frick frack. Um, I lost a frick. A freaky to the fracky. Here we go. So on page 117, this is mid Janine's birth. It says, uh, not every commander has a handmaid. Some of the wives have children from each, says the slogan, according to her ability or according to needs. So I think some commanders and wives are fertile and don't need a handmaid because they're doing the frick frack. It's also very interesting that this book was published. Yeah, during the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And... That's very explicitly a um, communist slogan. Ah, yeah, yeah. So why, Gilead? Why? Why are you communist? Um, well, I, mean, I mean, a lot of their principles are very socialist in nature. I and I mean, they say. are fascists. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know. Uh, I like the socialism. I don't know why I'm Italian. Life is beautiful. <laughs> Frick uh, the frack. Exactly. One thing, though, that I don't get a clear sense of i mean number one it's very clear that in the 
book, Mr. and Mrs. Waterford do not do the frick frack. There is. Well, they're old and like they're crabby at each other. Like she's still very like in love with him and like very possessive of him. But like in like the sense that she's like almost a groupie at this point. Um, Yeah. Groupie's not quite right. But like it's just like she's like "Mm, mine. Yeah. He is mine. He's not yours. Versus the show, obviously, when they're much younger, and the only instances really that we see of them, you know, engaging in in the frick frack. So mad at you. <laughs> you, if you could all just see the fucking smug ass, Snoopy ass face she just made. Ah! I'm a Spike. <laughs> I love Spike. Um, oh man, when Snoopy almost gets married. And then Spike just takes the wedding cake home and eats it. I'm like, are you me? Goals. Um, Anyway, Um, but like the one time that Serena attempted to give the commander a blowy mm -hmm. um, because he couldn't quite handle the ceremony. Mm -hmm. He was like, don't do that. Yeah. And then didn't did they make love after she did a good like I'm after wa- I'm the- wondering if we're co- I think we may be conflating that with the flashback where they have sex. I know this is actually not the flashback that I'm thinking of because the lighting palette is totally different. I'm not certain. I would but- I would have to like go back and dig through. But like it was she did something and he said she was amazing and they yeah. did the frick frack. That sounds familiar to me, too. I think the reason that he objected to the blowjob is because it wasn't... Um, procreative. The way procreative. Boo! So. Oral sex is great. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but th- it's still not totally clear to me, like, if they're supposed to be doing the frick frack or not. Yeah. If know. they know they can't procreate. Yeah, that Because, like, if the whole point is procreation and you know that you can't, yeah. then you shouldn't be frick fracking. Absolutely. Always be frick fracking. <laughs> All right. So the next one is, do people go to church? Does church exist? What the heck does it look like? And this is a note. It says the Econo people in season two, episode three baggage are leaving their apartment block to attend church services. Uh, We don't see the service itself, but given what we've seen from the previous baby shower, birth, wedding, participation scenes throughout the series, men and women are likely segregated from one another. If their services are entirely separate, the men might have hymnals, ah, and Bibles, but the women most certainly rely upon oral tradition, chants, memorized scripture. Good note, Kelly. That's a really good one. Yeah, and I cited it thoroughly. You did. So it almost broke up our relationship. <laughs> Citations uh, and Google Docs. I found another. It almost I- broke up our relationship thoroughly. <laughs> wow. Just feel attacked. Um, I don't. I feel great. Uh, <laughs> on page 2247 of the trade paperback, uh, Moira is talking about fleeing Gilead and she hangs out with this family. I believe they're Quakers. I was going to say, I remember the mean Quakers. Yeah. One of the families she stops with are Quakers. Or the Society of Friends. Mm-hmm. If you're nasty. Exactly. <laughs> I'm so sorry, uh, Quakers. You seem to have done nothing but good for this country. I think you're doing I great. I should not mock you. <laughs> and you know what a Quaker would say to that? That's fine. That's okay. I forgive thee. I forgive thee. <laughs> she says, it was before the sectarian roundups began in earnest. As long as you'd said you were some sort of Christian and you were married for the first time, that is, they were still leaving you pretty much alone. They were concentrating on first on others and they got them more or less under control before they started on everything else. I think that's not what I meant to say, but good to know. 
Yeah, um, but I think oh, I know, that's I know. all super relevant. Here is what it is. It is relevant. But she says when she's hiding in these people's houses, she doesn't like hearing them pray or knowing that they pray. She goes, I found that hard to get used to at first because it reminds me too much of that shit at the Red Center. So people are praying uh, privately. Well, if they were Quakers, A, Quakers will have a meeting house or they'll meet at home. Mm. But also a lot of, well, I can't even like relegate this strictly to conservative Christians, but like there are a lot of people who prefer to do home worship Mm, rather than attend like a congregation, i.e. Zachary Levi and his like creepy Christian bros. Um, CCB. (laughs) So that to me, what I infer from the show is that the Waterfords do home worship. Yeah. But the Econo people seem to have to leave to go to church, which makes sense. You know, they're kind of like the Winstons in 1984. uh, Where like, you know, they they have to kind of be monitored more so. I don't know what that means. Uh, Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. I thought you meant in the year 1984. No, I meant in the book. You mean in the book 1984. Here I am. Yeah. Here I am. You know, they all go to church and all of the call and response is just do it to her. Do it to her. Good book. So I think in part in Gilead, there may be a status thing where it's like, oh, if you are Mm. of a particular status, you don't necessarily have to worship. But also so much of their society is ceremonial. That's true. That they may be operating on this sort of like assumption like, oh, like every time you do the ceremony, that's going to church. Every time you murder a guardian for raping somebody, (laughs) that's going to church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time you stone to death an adulterous handmaid, that's going to church. Um, That was something interesting, too. I noticed just really sidebar is in the epilogue. They talk about how they try to do a... um, participation on time every six months Mm -hmm. (laughs) i just thought it was interesting that that was like regimented that way yeah i mean it's important to uh have a threat keep morale low (laughs) (laughs) it's the difference between that and your like go outing yeah (laughs) yeah well said um also my amazing boss so what molly's referring to is that some people at my work are going on like a tour of like a goat farm and my boss called it a goat away <laughs> a weekday goat away and it's the best worst pun i've ever heard in my entire life seven how do people get shopping tokens are they rationed so we do not see in the show where the shopping tokens come from in the book um we know that they are like they're actually like coupons i think because we just couldn't have conceived of tokens at the time um the marthas they're tokens okay so the marthas keep the tokens in each individual household and they are definitely rationed we hear eden say that she's never seen a chocolate token before and we know that the higher ranking commanders and households with pregnancies and live healthy births receive tokens for luxury items we know that you know when offered is pregnant she can get like cinnamon and we know that the waterfords get meat on a regular basis so i do wish that we could see a lot more from the marthas that's something else that i would love to see i mean particularly after you know the twilight bark it's like okay so because i mean we never see rita gone from that house Mm -hmm. but how the fuck the marthas get shit done and we could bring back heather your favorite character (gasps) oh my god who's the pesto martha i want her i want her back yeah i know bruce miller i'll take back everything i said if you bring back heather 
not Bruce Miller. You talk. We talked to the Kira Snyder. Who I know. Made her up. But yeah. I also feel like Bruce Miller is mad at me. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a citation for uh, this kind of rank tokens on page eleven, where uh, Rita is saying, "Tell them fresh for the eggs, not like last time, and a chicken. Tell them, not a hen. Tell them who it's for, and they won't mess around." So yeah. interesting. Okay, this one was fascinating to learn this time around. I just completely buzzed over it the first time I read it. But uh, a lot of you asked, what goes for entertainment in Gilead? Is there still TV? Is there, what is there? Now, in the show, they make a conscious choice that there's not TV for some reason. I think it was because they would have to show, like, flat screen TVs. (laughs) And they thought that that was weird and, like too futuristic in this society or they would have to be like what's the netflix of Killian? <laughs> which sidebar i found this website called pure flicks which is the christian version yeah of netflix. that all checks out who i wonder yeah. if they have on our own maybe uh, or rigoletto or the buttercream gang Hi. or the buttercream ga- gang too what is secret this? of treasure mountain what these are, you are uh what? like focus on the family films oh my god that may not be the accurate name but they were this like wholesome Christian movie company. Wow. And we had a lot of their VHS tapes because they weren't all sinful, horrible things. Nice. One that was really good. Mm-hmm. This was like legit good, not just Christian good, <laughs> was Miracle at Moreau, which was based on a book. I think that was called 20 and 10. That was about this oh. like French nun who hid some Jewish children during Ooh. World War II. That's like uh, in the episode of Extras that Kate Winslet is on, the movie that she's in. It's exactly like <laughs> But Loretta Swit of MASH fame Whoa. plays this mother superior. Crazy. And I remember the book specifically because they ate leek soup and I didn't know what a Yum. leek was at the time. And now I love leek soup. You do. You mm. you live to be that book. God, I love leeks. So in the book, it says that TV is a thing. Not only is TV a thing, professional football is a thing. The most toxic of all sports. There, I said it. Uh <laughs> We can't get rid of it now. Yeah. Can you imagine if a bunch of like hyper conservative, like obsessed with their own masculinity dudes took a, a, I'm sorry. What am I saying? If, um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hang on. Uh, the secret police are here to take us away. Uh, Let me get my mac and cheese out of the fridge. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Do it to Bruce. So it depressed. don't say that. <laughs> punk. Uh, so they said she talks about uh, the football stadium being a thing. They still have football games is basically what she says on page 31. And then we see on page 82 where they're waiting for the commander to come in for the ceremony. They're watching TV and the TV seems to mostly be like singing stations propaganda stations and news so yeah there are still people making content i would hope that somewhere the way that i help the resistance is i like weasel my way in and am the like one weird woman like tv personality that they have that's in the background that's like mouthing like mayday propaganda in the very back <laughs> that would be my my dream job to be honest like that's like my very that's like my mother night version of <laughs> of um, gilead but i would do it i would do it all right you heard it here first folks mm-hmm. all right next we're, we're almost done guys we're on epi- question nine of eleven 
Jezebel's, comma, who are they? So we do know that there are a lot of former sex workers, aka working girls, <laughs> uh, at Jezebel's, and just kind of people who couldn't be assimilated. Yep. You know, there's definitely the occasional rebellious handmaid. I'll read the passage from the book that talks about it. They're at Jezebel's and offered, or June is looking around, page 238. And the commander says, I'm told you can have a good conversation with her if you feel, if all you feel like is talking. They prefer it here too. Prefer it to what, I say? To the alternatives, he said. You might even prefer it yourself to what you got. He says coyly, and he's fishing. He wants to be complimented. Gross. Blah, blah, blah. Very gross. Oh, this is nasty. So she kind of has to say, like, uh, I don't know. I think probably I don't want to do it. And he goes, it, it is hard because you know why? You have to watch your weight. That's for sure. They're strict about that. Gain 10 pounds and they put you in solitary. Is he joking? Most likely. But I don't want to know. Fucked up. <laughs> probably not. Like, probably, probably not. Will. All things considered. Like, they didn't abolish weigh-ins for flight attendants that long ago. Ugh. You know what else worth noticing? on that matter is I read the exact scene that they have in the book where they're, she's stating her stats. Mm-hmm. Maggie Atz doesn't put weight when they're listing mm. offered stats, but whoever wrote that episode of the TV show felt that necessary to include. Thanks for triggering me. Pretty dumb. Mm-mm. Did you know they had to get weighed on Sex in the City? No, but yeah, they did. Just letting you know. Uh, that feeling when your fave is problematic. I don't know. Like, I don't even like that show, but I love it. I don't understand. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I, I like. I want to read that book that just came out about it. It's like a cultural history of Sex in the City. Yeah. No, shut your mouth. That's a thing. I read like the first. Like I read like the prologue of it. And like anyway, fuck. That's what I want for Christmas. Even though I'm not done with the cultural history of SNL <laughs> yet, after owning it four years, I still want to commit. This to seems a one. lot more readable than that. I don't know. That's pretty great. It's just huge. Yeah. So I can only. That's read, what like, I'm saying. This is not as huge. Okay. Because it has not been going on for decades. Decades. All right, putting it out there. That's what I want for Christmas. There's a little bit more Jezebel stuff on page 249 is like a really dense Jezebel's explainer talking about gender traders live there. So there's gender traders who lived here. They get face cream. You're allowed to have sex with women. Yeah. Other than the one scary note about being thrown in solitary or being kind of discarded once you're old jezebel sounds but i mean is being discarded once you're old that different from being a woman at any time (laughs) in any regime like come on edgy listen i ate a lot of mac and cheese tonight so full i'm popping off (laughs) so the chain of command mm, is question number 10 what's the chain of command i don't know guys i don't have a ton on this i have something from page 22 which talks about the succession of guardians let me see where that went well while you're looking for that i mean we know that there are commanders more senior to other commanders right but they haven't exposed a ton of the formality of that because the hierarchy of the commanders purely on paper seems to be flat yeah like every commander has the same rights and privileges as another commander kind of but in practice that's not how it winds up being yeah but we don't understand exactly the hows and whys i mean we know that commander putnam is you know in the doghouse because he had an inappropriate relation with his handmaid and got his hand cut off exactly and you know and we we were able to see commander price commander price Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah. No, the the other one. It's Price. Was he the one? Okay. No, isn't Price the one that helped Nick? Nope. And he got blown up? I don't know. I don't think so. I think Commander Price is the one that was hot on her okay. tail because that's McConnamander. Okay. Well, and who was the other guy? Anyway. But so we know, like, the, the commander that was helping Nick and, like, got him placed with the eyes um, and was, like, having him spy on Commander Waterford, like, I got a sense that he was above Commander mm-hmm. Waterford somehow. And Whitford seems like he's above people, too. Whitford is also, like, this weird legacy commander, I think, because if he... <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying, like, if he is the one who, like, devised this system, uh-huh. he's just, like, he's, legacy. like... He's like Lucius Fox in the Batman trilogy Ah. where it's like, oh, we're just going to like keep you in R&D for a while and hope you don't ever come to the Christmas party. (laughs) Oh, man, you know, Wayne Industries Christmas party is popping. Man. God. What? Batman, why can't you be more like Bruce Wayne? Come on. That dude knows how to turn up. Come on. (laughs) Jeez. So the quote I have about the guardians is that you start at a guardian which i believe is like the police officer level then they they think instead of doing their duty and a promotion to the angels which i think is more of like a army marine level the angels i believe are they're part of like the active duty military whereas the guardians to me are much more of like a local police force exactly so they think of their promotion to angels and of being allowed to possibly marry and then if they're able to gain enough power and live to be old enough to be allotted a handmaid of their own. So we kind of see a shade of that with what happens to Nick. Mm-hmm. And don't ask me where eyes fit in in all this. I don't. I'm still not 100. percent I mean, on the what eyes I mean. are a shadow organization like the KGB, where it's like oh. they exist, but they don't exist. Wink. Pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, the That's eyes silly. exist and they're a huge or or um, like the SS okay. in Nazi Germany where it's like this elite force, but you're never quite sure cool. what the fuck I mean, is going cool, on. But. All right. So that's one thing from page 22. And now we're on the final question. Yeah. What the heck are other countries doing? From the book, we know that England did a Save the Women campaign, uh, which seems like it was not super successful. (laughs) No, but in the book, they do speculate that it's possible that Offred escaped to England. Mm -hmm. Which, what a trip from how just semantically to try to get from Boston to England is a nuts trip. It's like a reverse pilgrim thing. Yeah, yeah. sports romania was mentioned as as predating gilead in terms of sort of taking this punitive oppressive approach to human reproduction and there were a lot of people according to the book who fled to canada initially but could have been subject to later roundups of refugees there so this is something interesting in the show Mm -hmm. that it seems to be teeing something up around that Mm -hmm. because, you know, there were these sort of diplomatic talks with Canada that broke down. And then we know that there is the potential for, you know, fighting at the Canadian Mm -hmm. border to intensify. And, you know, there's, there's just a lot of different ways that Gilead could go about extraditing all of the refugees in Canada. Yeah. And I would be real curious to see if that is a thing that happens. Me too. I, yeah, I really want them to give, like, Luke and Sh and Moira something to do next something season. Something to do, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, again, I really did like what OT did with, like, 
kind of portraying Luke's sort of depression and inertia. Yeah. I thought that was a really accurate portrayal of kind of grief, especially mm-hmm. once you've gotten through a lot of initial shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm curious about that. And again, we know in the show, there is this ongoing conversation with Canada. Uh, I guess the Mexico thing just stopped. Yeah. Never heard about that again. Um, yeah, that is weird that we didn't hear. Because guess who would be great candidates that? to ship there? Like, I guess that's the thing is like, if you're trying to monetize handmaids, don't send fertile, troublesome ones to the colonies. Yeah, those are the ones you send to Mexico. Yeah, very much and, like and get the a end bunch, of harlots. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. I, just narratively, I get very annoyed when there's internal inconsistencies. Me too. Um, granted, Bruce. I have never run a show. <laughs> I have never tried to run a show because I'm pretty sure I would fail. Um, and it's fine. I have a great job. Yeah, yeah. but I just, you know, uh, that is such an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. And despite the glaring plot holes in just <laughs> that episode where a handmaid was left alone with a Mexican ambassador and her lackey. I love the economic implications there. And that like, this is such a, an entrenched plan that the Waterfords spearheaded and have done all of this work to make it happen. I think that might be the episode that they boned down, by the way. That would make sense to me. Yeah. I forget the name of the episode. I apologize for not citing it, but I did not. So think about this earlier. It's okay. Um, I appreciate your organic <laughs> flow of intelligence more than I appreciate a list of words. I mean, kind of the same thing. Um, <laughs> I'm leaving. I have to go walk into the ocean. I go. Oh, I would wait till you get to San Francisco. It's easier and it's colder well, over there. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a little bit of sense from the historical notes of sort of what the rest of the world was doing. The most interesting thing to me as far as that's concerned is like whatever the fuck happened, everybody's fucking fine now. Mm-hmm. They're still sexually harassing women in case anybody was curious. Um, what do you mean? In the historical notes? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they are in that they're making sex jokes at the expense of people who are systematically raped. No, but also they make that crack at the woman who introduces him at what the beginning. Crack? The very, very beginning, if you go to where Professor Piotto is being introduced, he makes that crack about the woman who introduced him. I can't remember the specifics of it, but I know that that's where it is. It's like within the first two or three sentences that he says. I'm looking because this is the only time when I'm going to be anal about this. Mm. Here, let me look at it. Okay. Future Kelly. Cut a bunch of this stuff out. It's okay. Future Kelly, you're doing great. Thank you. I am sure we all enjoyed our charming Arctic char last night at dinner, and now we are enjoying an equally charming Arctic chair. I use the word enjoy in two distinct senses, precluding, of course, the obsolete third. We talked about this when we read the book. What does that mean? He's basically saying that... (sighs) Enjoy. Enjoy. I don't know. My feeling is uh, that it was, I mean, he talks about, you know, a charming Arctic chair. Like, he's kind of, like, nodding at her sexuality. What? Yeah. Help me. Just anytime a man is like, ooh, like, we're enjoying an Arctic chair. The Arctic chair is this woman. She's a chair person. Crescent Moon. Professor Marianne Crescent Moon. Isn't this conference taking place in the Arctic? Yeah. So that's his point. 
He's talking about the board of chairs is an Arctic chair. I would guess. Wait, what are you talking about? No, she's the Arctic chair. All right. I don't count. Okay. All right. I think that you can say that there is still shitty sexual things going on without saying that he sexually harasses that person. Because I don't think he does. And I think that, no, they do say it's gender. I, I don't know. I don't cotton to that. Put that out there. Kelly is saying that that's what's happening. I don't know that I believe that that's what's happening. End of it. But right. there is there is something I think what you're saying, too, is that it's chilling that only like less than a century later, things are back to stasis. Yes. But also going back to the sexual harassment, just really quickly, uh-huh. it's that comment about the obsolete third that I think is the real harassment. Because um, he's talking about the word enjoy in these two senses and then not the obsolete third. My feeling is that it's like this sort of like weird, vacuous joke about like, <laughs> it's not okay to do sexual harassment, but I'm going to like okay make a nod to it anyway. if i squint i could see that which is how maggie atz likes her prose so uh, i think you you're probably on to something i'm gonna ask her when i meet her <laughs> hey real quick can you explain this passage hey um number one what are you feeling is on citing things thoroughly number two oh you know a bitch loves to cite things thoroughly. i don't know she writes poems that's the least cited thing there is <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, anyway. okay. so back to the original point of like things bounce back. So everything eventually turns out okay for reasons that no one knows. And by no one, I mean us. They all seem fine with it. And what's scary, too, about that is that even if they're enjoying a stasis and they feel so evolved to the people of Gilead, we're only a little bit away from the next shitty upheaval thing. So I think like I feel like Handmaid's Tale needs to end the exact same way that the Lorax ends, which is with the stone that says unless mm-hmm. it's like all of this is speculative fiction unless you guys take it as a how to manual or unless you guys ignore the ways we're hurting women and marginalized people right now. Do you hear what we're saying? You mean like how you're ignoring how Professor Piotto is sexually harassing Professor Crescent Moon? <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Listen, in this post-Me Too era, a man today, Molly, actually said to me, don't you think that it's harder for comedians now in a post-Me Too era? And I literally said back to him, I was like, well, I think if you are a cisgender heterosexual white man (laughs) maybe um once again i commend you for a very intelligent response to something that i would have just squirted throat bile at well you know here's the thing though it's like because he was like oh like and i was like watching eddie murphy and i was like look the point is not that it's any harder to do comedy today than it ever has been comedy just doesn't age well period like never has it never has it is an ephemeral art form and yeah. it cannot be timeless in the way... Unless you are falling down the stairs. Oh, yeah. Look, there are certain aspects of physical comedy and certain or kinds of like... farting audibly. Yeah. Look, there are things where you can understand it. But like... But I was just like, look, there's so many things we haven't talked about. And I was even using Eddie Murphy as an example. I was like, look, his views on gay people are noxious to us today. But at the time, the fact that anybody was talking about gay people at all yeah. was fucking crazy. Yeah. So anyway, um, calm down, everybody, is what I say. 
just calm down. Also, oh my God. Okay. But also don't calm down. Yeah. I mean, like, don't calm down in that way. Like, things will still be funny. We... We still have red all over, am I right? That's right. So to close it out with a little bit of rape culture. Uh, Night at the Roxbury on mm, SNL. Yeah. So rapey, but such a good song. But yeah. also I would argue everybody was always very responsive to the women in distress in those sketches. Yes. As soon as they went, like, when have you ever had anybody help you that quickly? <laughs> when a dude was being disgusting. <laughs> so uh, I might write a term paper about it. I might not. I don't know. Cool. All I know is what is love? Baby, Baby don't, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Okay. So I think that's it for yeah. episode two Oof, of A Gal's Guide to Gilead. Our friendship is still intact. Yeah. Listen, we didn't know if it would be. It got real heated. <laughs> I'm going to leave right after just in case. No, but you know what? Like, honestly, it was so much of like this week and like the Brett Kavanaugh shit and like every fucking thing. And I was in Kentucky. I know. Like, I was was just like, "Ah!" but it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. We we have a a nuanced friendship. We are allowed to. Yeah. And we ate mac and cheese. I feel so much better now. Yeah. Me too. Okay. I love you. Take care of your girlfriends. Take care of each other and no lite te bastardes carborundorum. Dum 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 da 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 da